This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're in the middle of our holidays. Yay! We're on the beach. No, we're not. Actually, we're not on the beach at all. Flip-flops? No, no flip-flops at all. Because unfortunately... Not in this weather. Not in this weather. It's been absolutely grey, rainy, horrible, nasty day today. The last few days. Typical, typical, typical. This is officially the mid-season podcast. No, it's the no, it's the early, early close season podcast. Uh, I mean, no, 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 it's the mid, mid early season close. No, 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 it's the close mid off early season. It's the Wednesday podcast. It's the Wednesday podcast. The Dutchman, there he goes, cutting through to the bone, and there you go. It's the Wednesday podcast. The Besotted podcast is back first Wednesday in June. We did promise you that we would come back at some stage. We were trying to be a little bit vague, but we really knew exactly when we were going to do it, and we're very happy to be here, out here with all our mates around the table here and all you mates out there as well, which is all good. Listen. We actually say we're on football holiday, but in reality, what we've actually done is we found a hole in the football viewing calendar. Like basically, the whole of whole of May, there's loads of football still, like the FA Cup and the playoffs and all sorts of stuff, the European Cup final. And then there was a week where there was no football except for England tomorrow, which doesn't really count as a friendly. And then next week is the Euros, so we found a little hole in the middle for us to do and chat to people out there and give our views. Yeah, well, the Euros, we're, we're mildly aroused, aren't we, Bill? <laughs> we are mildly aroused, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But anyway, we're back in the booze. A slight change of plan. As we said, we were going to have our flip-flops on today. The towels were going to be out. Liberal Nick's got his Speedos on, which is, is, is a bit cold for that. <laughs> and it shows. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we were going to go to a pub in Ealing. Big garden in the sun, sitting down there, like, you know, just chilling out, you know, in the sunbeds. But 
We've had to change our plan and we're in Chiswick again, back on one of our old favourites, the George IV pub in the Chiswick High Road, where again, they're taking great care of us. They've got the singer, they've got the open mic night down the corner there. So, you know, we might pop around the corner and have a little bit of a sing-song, a bit of karaoke. And um, the beanie hats and there's punters in the corner playing charades and all sorts of games. But it's just nice. But I'm Billy Grant. It's nice to be back here talking football i haven't talked football for at least three days <laughs> and i'm sitting here with uh my chums dave lane how are you hello mate yeah 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 it's good to be back i've, I've, I've noticed there's some some like really encouraging uh, tweets and stuff people are actually excited that we're doing this tonight which i find a little bit disturbing um but as you say yeah it's it's, it's you know although like huddersfield and the, and the football season seems a little, little while ago it's been a lot of big football games coming on and uh we a few of us got together to watch the champions championship uh cup final at wembley on saturday um just to see that that, that seemed like closure on brentford season you know to see to see Hull and uh, Sheffield Wednesday go toe to toe. So uh, yeah, I know we're going to talk about that, but yeah, the the football never does stop, really, does it? It doesn't stop except for this week, you know, except for the England game on Thursday because it doesn't count. But we'll talk about the England game and international in a minute. Mr. Liberal Nick, you've been. I tell you something. We, we were going to have a little. We were going to play something different today. We were going to tell all sorts of lies, but Nick was not happy because he wanted to tell the truth because he wanted to boast about what he's been up to the last three or four weeks. And we have got no idea. Nick, could you tell us? Yeah, I've been uh, watching a bit of football. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. There is football on tonight. I am really intrigued by the Luxembourg-Nigeria game that's on. But I can't get, can't get what the latest score is on this tonight. But I've been in France. I've been, you know sussing out the venues for Euro been doing a bit of uh, you know scouting for Roy you know making sure that he knows a good restaurant finds a good bookshop for his... so, so were you in any of the areas where any of the teams are playing at all any, any, of, the, any of the towns cities no 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 but, but I reckon England will want to make a pretty rapid um, pretty rapid escape from uh, pretty rapid escape from uh, their dismal failure to qualify so I've found some quiet places where they can go and hide but still in France. So you're saying England aren't going to qualify? We'll discuss that later. Okay, we'll discuss it. Mr. The Allard, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm t- talking to Nick. He's, isn't he the darling of the of the Brentford media team? He got when he bought his season ticket. They they tweeted it out there. Welcome back, Nick. They said. Um, so yeah, it was exciting news at Brentford. Nick. Nick. Um, why has why he been singled out for such acclaim? I've, I've no idea, Nick. Any 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 reason? Uh, it's got a red. They they, they recognise they recognise loyal yeah, supporters. No, you know, he's the only, yeah. only liberal in Middlesex. <laughs> um, myself, um, uh, do you know? I, I, I've given up. I gave up drinking on the last day of the season. That seems to have been. Ooh. That seems to have been. That seems to have been just uh, not forever. Just for a, that seems to have been a bad idea. As I've been pretty feeling pretty rubbish since then. Um, and I, now I'm thinking about it, I think I've pretty much given up football as well because I don't think I've watched a game of football in the last um, three weeks. So when we get round to talking, you did about, watch half the AFC Wimbledon I game. Did, I did watch half the AFC Wimbledon game. That probably was the first one. So when we get to talk about the details of the playoffs and that, um, I'll be just making stuff up, which probably most of you think I do anyway. Evening, Dutchman. Evening, the Dutchman. So I wanted you to speak at us. I'll introduce myself. Good, good evening, all. Um, yeah, enjoying actually the football break. Looking forward to the Euros very much. Um, sneaked in probably a summer's worth of cricket in two weeks. Uh, sneaked in a bit of thugby. Uh, and my blatant lie is learning to fly a plane in time for the Euros so I can get out there and join Billy and Laney on their trip around France. We look forward to, to seeing you. And for me, I've had a bit of a sort of strange month because uh, 
I've, we're talking about it as a football free month. There's been you know, there's been a fair amount of football this month, but you know having so much football within the season and also lots of football coming when we were leaving for the Euros in about a week's time I've kind of got a sort of semi-football ban at home so I'm not really allowed to sort of talk or look at or watch football so I've had the problem where I've sort of been sneaking out to go and get some sugar from the old shop <laughs> and not coming back for three hours like you know is it like a restraining order yeah, it's like that as well it was quite bad actually and I did shouldn't you, say this did you not accidentally end up in Wembley on Saturday well it was, it was quite bad actually I, yeah, I did actually put out to go and get some bits and pieces and ended up with my Sheffield Wednesday mates for quite a few hours um, and then I did go back home and I was not discovered to have disappeared for a few hours so it's the kind of thing that you do when you're 15 but you know also the kind of thing that you need to do at this age as well because when you, you've got to get your football fixed somehow and it was very nice seeing my Sheffield Wednesday mates and commiserations to them that they lost but I'm actually very happy we're going back there next season <laughs> anyway listen Listen, we're going to start talking about stuff. It's quite nice, actually, because we normally go into and interject into the last game that we played that we, for, <laughs> for about two or three months, we'd actually lost. But, but then in the last couple of months, we'd actually won. But we don't actually have to talk about any games now. So what we're going to do is we're going to look forward or look back to the teams who should or could have gone up from their respective divisions. We're going to talk about the playoffs and see how these other teams got on while we sat back and relaxed and I snuck out the door and uh, had a little bit of football. Talk about Fulham a bit more because I, I, I can't get tired. I can never tire of that. <laughs> you can talk about Fulham later as well. We're going to talk about the playoffs just after this little twing. The playoff finals. It's two words that do not particularly go down well with Brentford fans. Any particular reason why, Lloyds? Um, we lose a lot. We do lose a lot, but, you know, there's got to be one that we win. It was last year, exactly a year ago and a bit, like I said, we were involved in the playoffs and we know how emotional it can be. So the playoffs finals came this time. We'll go first of all into the championship player finals. I have to admit, I was... The Allard, to be fair to him, tip is out to him, he always said Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday. I never thought Sheffield Wednesday were good enough to get into the playoffs. I thought there was a little bluffing, a little bit of blagging going on. And to be fair, they also stumbled into the playoffs, quite similar to what we did last season, you know. But they had a good little victory against Brighton in the semis, which put them in the final. Once you're in the final, anything can happen. They played Hull in the final. I know you boys were sitting down there watching it. I was kind of <laughs> sneaking out, trying to see bits and pieces there. But what what is your views on the Sheffield United Hull game? Well, the, I think the two two Wednesday. legs. That, yeah, the, the, the we- Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. The, the, the Wednesday Brighton. The two legs. I thought they were absolute amazing games. I thought Hillsborough. The atmosphere in that ground was stunning that evening, and, and uh, the game the game at, um, at the Amex was another another cracker. Um, so you know, Sheffield Wednesday did amazingly. To come through that I agree with you I, I saw Sheffield Wednesday another another couple of times more than the two fixtures I didn't think they were that great to be honest with you I thought they were okay um, although and Hull I thought were, were, were fairly functional in the games that I saw them so you know fair play to Hull their the parachute money and the ultimate quality got them through in the end yeah functional that's Hull isn't it um, I think um, they the, they are the sort of side that we have struggled to we struggled to beat um, in the last couple of seasons um, very much this season but they don't excite me in the least Um, I actually did you another game I have seen I've seen more than was the Derby game against Hull when Derby put them to the 
you know, for the for, it put them to the sword, and it was. Um, and, and I think that kind of showed that you know Hull can be got at if you if you you know attack them in the right way. So I still thought Wednesday we're going to do all right in that game. I was a bit I was a bit disappointed really. Oh, for a functional playoff win, eh? As if we wouldn't take a functional win. Um, I think it was probably obviously going. I think Wednesday was a step too far for them. I think once Brighton were out of the picture, um, Hull were going to be the favourites for that. Um, it was a you know, it was a cracking goal that won it. You, know, you get a bit of quality, functional with a bit of quality. Um, Bruce's fourth promotion, I think I read somewhere, from the Championship to the, the Premiership, which must be some kind of a record. Um, yeah, he knows what he needs to do to get up, and you know, good luck to them. And how many relegations has he had, though? He mu- it must be... 19. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I snuck out and I uh, had a, quite a few beers with a Sheffield Wednesday, guys, the guys from the Wednesday Week podcast, and all the rest of them, really nice set of lads, and also... Met Connor Wickham, who was drinking with them as well, who used to play for Wednesday, plays at Palace now as well. So he was drinking with them and went up to Wembley. So we actually had a good afternoon um, before I snuck off back home, um, which was which was good. And to be quite honest with you, like I said to you, I'm very I'm happy that we're playing Wednesday next season because to be quite honest with you, I think that we'll actually um, we'll actually match them plus more. And we'll talk about that later. Some people were talking about um, Hull and Moses Adabaju because people are asking whether or not we actually get sort of bonuses for him going up. But from what I can understand, I think Moses' deal was a straight-up deal where the clause of 3.5 million was met. So, and that state, that means that he could just go. So there were no other bonuses, nothing. So Hull City actually got a really good deal out of Moses then because uh, he, he had quite, a, he, he had decent games. The thing that annoyed me about the championship, and I listened to it on the radio because I was I was driving at the time, so I listened to the game. And what thing that annoyed me about Moses they kept raving on about Moses and saying that what a good right back that he was and that he'd appeared from nowhere and why don't these football commentators and Steve Claridge I'll call you out because you know you're meant to cover the lower leagues in some depth um, and Cameron McNamara on Radio 5 Live sort of were describing Moses Ajabeo as this player who'd come from nowhere you know Despite the fact that he'd put in, how many good seasons had he played for us at Brentford? Can somebody and, remember? And, and, and he's and he's sco- and one he's, for us, and then four in, wasn't it? And he scored that goal at Wembley for him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a, it was appalling. So the research, um, you know, next time next time you do Championship Playoff Finals Radio Five Live, come to the Pasotic Crew for your research, and you know, we'll we'll ch- only charge you a small fee. <laughs> no, listen. So, but um, we're gonna listen. We're gonna come on to. After we've talked about all the rest of the players, we'll go on to the Millwall game and stuff like that, but we want to come back to how fair are the playoffs as well. You know, just a little point. I know it always gets brought up, but let's have a look at it. But Millwall, proper team, apparently. You know, they were well and truly beaten by the Barnsley, weren't they? The Barnsley were... Yeah, I thought, I thought that, that was a... That really, I found a heartening game because I thought the, the better footballing team won on the day. And, and um, I, I, I thought I saw Barnsley um, had, had played in their, in, their, in their two legs before and, um, against Walsall. And they, they demolished Walsall. Um, which I loved because I thought Walsall was were quite obnoxious when they come down to Griffin Park last season, and you know it was, it was nice to see a little bit of justice meted out. Um, and I, yeah, so so Barnsley 
uh, I, I thought, yeah, they play some really good stuff, and they, they'll be a credit, and they'll they'll do okay probably. If they carry on like that, they'll do okay in this division. You know, it, if they if they attack, 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 which they seem to to want to do, I think they'll probably survive. Millwall, I don't think were equipped, so so I think that was that was good. Millwall didn't turn up really on the day either. I don't think Sheffield Wednesday did either. Wembley is one of those places. If you if you turn up, you you stand half a chance, but. Those, those, the two teams that were lost in those two games didn't, and, and, and again, nor did Plymouth. So it's you know you, you have to you have to turn up positive. So I mean, so Barnsley are they a proper football team? But Barnsley, I thought they're a proper footballing team. Yeah, they'll 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 do all right. Yeah, I, I, they've got some really exciting players, really exciting players, and I and I look forward to seeing them next year. The one thing I'd say about Millwall is that I hope that they stick with Neil Harris because Neil Harris is a Millwall legend and he knows that club inside out. I watched Neil Harris, he used to work, run the under-21 team and then got promoted up to the manager job when Holloway left, I think it was, from Millwall. Um, um, but Harris, give him time and I think Millwall will be back in the championship. I'm not really sure about the proper club bit. I've, I've got a couple of good Millwall friends, um, right backs if you're listening, so I know you listen to this sometimes, but they weren't really expecting to get through the playoffs. They were pleasantly surprised to get through the first the first second gets to the final. They kind of reminded me of us a little bit. They kind of went there more in hope and expectation. Um, it was too early for them. You know, they've got a very young team. They're way ahead of where they thought they were going to be this year. Um, and I think they've got a decent team coming up. Um, they, they wouldn't have wanted to go up this year. Probably different division, but similar to us last year. Great to be there. Probably the right result. I think. I think um, Barnsley will do fine next season. And just moving on to the Division Two playoff, which is interesting. It's AFC Wimbledon versus Plymouth. Now, for me, this actually kind of tugs at a few strings for me because I was, went to one of the very first AFC Wimbledon games back in two thousand. Was it two thousand two? Was it? And I'll be going away and see. You know, every now and again, if Brentford aren't playing, I go down there. I've got some very, very good mates. The mates. No, oh, I do as well. Yeah, that's right. But you know, my mates actually started AFC Wimbledon. Um, um, Jonesy and uh, Chris Phillips is part of that as well, and Ivor, who you saw quite a lot in the hint of the box as well. So I know them guys. So you know, they're a good set of guys. And as you said, you know, if you've got mates who support a team, you go down with them and you you share the experience, like you know. So I was there when they actually beat Luton in the playoff final on penalties to go up into the league which is good I was there at AFC uh, at MK Dons when they played them as well yeah I've been to quite a few bits and I was meant to be there at Wembley they called me up and said Bill you're going to come down but again because I was on brownie point time I was actually at the theatre on the Monday Monday afternoon which is a bit of a kind of one for me so I, I kind of missed a bit of the game but I caught a little bit on the phone and chatting to you guys and it seems that the first half was a non-event but the second half, which I seem to caught most of, seemed to be a little bit of a corker. Yeah, I, I thought AFC deserved it. Um, I, had a, I had a few quid going the other way, to be honest with you. I, 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 was, you know, I thought Plymouth were the, were the better team over the season, and I thought they'd be the stronger team. But um, AFC um, really, really dug in, and you know, they, they scored two goals, and they could they could have scored more, to be honest with you. And I, what the thing that really heartened me was all the all the press and a lot of commentators after the game immediately they wanted to talk was MK all they wanted to talk about was the MK Dons game and to their credit they sort of said we don't want to, we don't want to let the MK Dons contaminate this happy day we'll deal with that when the fixture list comes out let's celebrate our team getting to the third tier of English football after this brilliant run of promotions let's not ruin it by worrying about the dirty MK 
I agree with all of that, and uh, you know, and I did see the second half of the game, and AFC definitely did deserve to go up. Um, you know, they were far better than Plymouth. However, the slightly two things we should bear in mind is that AFC uh, are not totally in the clear when it comes to their dealings with Kingstonian. There is, you know, they they have, you know, done a. Done a dirty would be be too strong a word, but but there is there is certainly you know they have um, done done to another football club what they may not wish to to see done to others, um, to themselves even yeah or to themselves. Um, and also, I have to say that I was pretty I was pretty sad to see at the end the the, the penalty in whenever it was the ninety seventh minute the row that took place on the pitch and. Uh, what the trotter esque row? Well, the tro- the trotter esque row, and you know, and which was all done for marketing. I mean, yeah, I know the guy's a League Two player, and I know he's out of contract, and I know he's probably looking to make a bit of money. But it just felt a bit unsavoury at the at the at the end. But having said that, good luck to AFC Wimbledon, and like you, Billy, you know, if Brentford aren't at home and I can't make one of the away games on a Saturday, I might well trot down to K- uh, Kingstonian and see Kings Meadow and see them play next season. Yeah, I don't have any particular love for AFC Wimbledon. I'm, I'm one of those people who probably like the bees and not much others, but I do respect our ex-players. So delighted to see Jake Rees have a cracking game. I thought he, he came out of that really well uh, with a lot of credit. Um, and also seeing Darius and, and Carly play as well. You know, people who did a, a good job for us at a different level in the past and left us in, in reasonable circumstances. So I enjoyed seeing um, success for those and Bays, I think, as well, and others. So... So, you know, well done to all the XBs involved, really, that's what I'll say. And I have to say, actually, I was quite pleased because for the playoffs, all the three playoffs, all my three choices came in um, with Hull and uh, Barnsley and also AFC Wimbledon. All of them came in. Uh, I, I did better than them. I just, just wanted them all to, to get through, you know, looking at who else was there. But look, just coming to the playoffs just quickly. I know we've been in the playoffs, it's been really unfair. We come back to the time when we finished second in the league, again, 95, and we didn't win the promotion. And the amount of times, and we look at this, and everyone says, you know, it's all about momentum when you go in. The third-place team, who is absolutely smashing it, and they end up not going. And we look at that Brighton scenario. I mean, Brighton, they were smashing it. They really should have gone up, and they just ran out of steam because they were so obviously deflated after that Borough game. Went into the Wednesday game. And they just lost it. And Wednesday obviously finished sixth, Brighton finished third. The question I'm going to ask is, is there any credence in changing the way the playoffs are? Because the thing is, it's kind of come in as a money-making thing. You've got two legs and then you've got a final. Um, I discussed this on the Whistleblowers podcast a couple of weeks ago with Mark Webster um, and some guy from Tottenham. And I just said, look, you know, there's a few people saying a couple of things. In the non-leagues, which I'll go to, I went to, like I said, the Dulwich Hamlet um, playoff final and semi-final. Dulwich finished fifth and Bogner finished second. So Dugner, Bogner, um, Dulwich had to go to Bogner, play in a one-leg final because Bogner finished first and then, you know, finished second, high above them, and it's one leg. So they had the advantage, because they, so that was their advantage for finishing higher. You know? And then after that, they went to East Thurrock, which again, East Thurrock finished higher, and they had to go to their ground in a one-leg playoff final. Now, to me, that makes so much sense because you've actually got an advantage for finishing first. Um, well, I know, yeah, it's worth considering, but I personally wouldn't change it. And then and it's interesting as well, there's another suggestion. There's another suggestion is that if you finish, right, you've got one and two go auto- up automatically, right? The third place team goes straight to Wembley and the fourth and fifth place team play off for the next place. 
Again, you know, it's, it's, worth, it's worth considering, I think, but there is still some advantage for your league position because you, you, you play the, you, you get the second, you get the home leg second, so which gives you the opportunity to get, you know, get the first leg away out of the way. But look at, yeah, but look at, who was it? Millwall? Was it, was it Millwall? The first leg, and they got, they got smashed to pieces. Well, pretty much all of them won away heavily, didn't they? You know, so what I'm trying to say is that, you know, where, where is the, where's the advantage? Um, I'm just going to say, to be honest, it, I, unfortunately I'm going to give you the boring answer. It's all about revenue, isn't it? You're not going to have less games, basically. It's going to be less games on Sky, less, less people buying tickets, and then you wouldn't have the final at Wembley. So, uh, as, as there may be some good arguments there, um, I don't see it changing any time soon. Still can go to Wembley, but I'm just saying this. I just think there should be an advantage for finishing higher, and there isn't one at the moment now. We finished third, and somebody's coming to finish sixth. Huddersfield have come in, and they smashed us off the park, and we're crying and everything like that. And it's just, it's not right. Um, I think some some years it it works for you, others others it doesn't. I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of random random stats in there. I think there's a lot of chance, and I, I don't see it, I don't see it's a broken system. We've got to talk about Cleve West quickly. Who's Cleve West? Everyone says Cleve West. If you look, C-L-E-V-E-W-E-S-T on the Twitter. He's one of the besotted crew. Lovely, lovely bloke. And also, once again, he has now won a gold medal. In the Olympics? No. In the, uh, in the tobogganing? No. You know, in the, uh, the hand gliding? No. He's a Brentford that's won at Chelsea. He, that's right. He, yeah, the Chelsea Flower Show, Cleve West. He's a big Brentford contributor from the early 90s. He famously buries a copy of Besotted in every garden that he designs and makes. There's, uh, if you go to uh, Brighton, there's that big ball, there's a big globe that's alongside the, uh, the pier at Brighton. He did that, and, and below that, there's issue 50 of Besotted. Um, and, but I, w- I will pass you over to the Besotted gardening correspondent, Martin Holland, who will fill you in a little bit more about what, what Cleve has won this week. Yeah, um, going to the Chelsea Flower Show just once makes me the besotted horticultural expert. Uh, very, very proud of that. Um, Cleese won another gold medal. I think he's won several now. I can't remember the exact number. Um, so as well as being one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, he's one of the most successful garden designers in the country. Some lovely features on him on, on uh, BBC this week, uh, showing off his skills. Um, Cleve's always to be found with us on the Ealing Road um, at all games. He's uh, a quality guy, a quality gardener, and big congrats to him from all of us here at the Besotted Crew. Sacking managers. I mean... No podcast or, you know, no sort of yearly podcast would be very, you know, would be fulfilled without talking about our friend Steve Evans, who has been removed quite physically from, from Leeds United, has he not? Uh, yeah, I've got a question. Does, does, if you get removed, is your redundancy payment subject to tax? Um, perhaps the Dutchman can advise us on that, you know. My understanding thereof is your redundancy payment itself is tax-free and any wages you get in payment in lieu of your notice period is subject to tax at the usual rate. Brackets should, of course, you decide to pay it, close brackets. If you should pay it, of course, is the, the key words. But anyway, it doesn't really matter for Steve Evans because apparently he was on a one-year contract at Leeds, so they knew that he was going to, well, the man, the owner, just said, oh, I'll tell you something, I'll just employ him for a year then. 
before he's even finished, I'll just go and find someone else, as I do. To be honest, it was hardly ever going to be a long-term contract at Leeds. You know, the, 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 the rate that he's rattling through managers, it's going to be someone else's turn anytime soon. Um, I just think that it was only delayed because they were waiting for heavy lifting gear to become available to get him out. Indeed. So, look, Daryl Clark apparently has been on the... Is on the radar, the old Bristol Rovers manager. He's no interest, he said. Absolutely no interest. They were his exact words. I have no interest. Okay, it's Gary Monk, who's the Swansea manager, who was on the Brentford radar, sort of, at one stage. More interest. So, okay, so Leeds United, and I'm going to come back to this, Leeds United, um, coming back to the Dutchman here, who did a lot of research for us. Very great, you know, research, like I said. Look, I like sometimes when you're going to have an argument, you find as many facts as possible, then you can actually make a valid argument. And when you gave us the facts about the accountancy, how much Brentford were making, how much they were losing, all different areas, it was very, very, very useful. Because you can compare that to what we're doing and everybody else. And like I said, we're losing you know, 15 million a year, our turnover is 10 million. Leeds United, right, who they seem all over the place, you sort of think, ah, you've got no money, you're like rubbish, you know what's going on? Their turnover still is. £35 million a year, which is three and a half times our turnover. So technically, they could sort of pay players three and a half times us, and they could do things in a bigger way than we can do. But the, the, the club still seems completely and utterly shambolic, and we look completely and utterly like Google compared to what they do, like, you know what I'm saying? Chilino has made them a laughing stock, you know. You, 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 just can't, you just can't get that amount of turnover of managers and have any stability you know that you know I, I do kind of laugh when I go to Ellen Road and hear them singing Champions of Europe and you know they, they look at us and think we're just a you know bit of shit on their shoe but shit on the shoe yeah, sh- yeah shit on the shoe um but you know we've been there three or four times now. We haven't lost there. We go always go there and give a, a good account of ourselves, and we've got stability. And, and they are they they are they are like a rudderless ship, and I can't. It, it isn't going to change anytime soon. All the time that the, that the owners there never. Their last set of published accounts, Bill, it was actually not thirty-five million. It's twenty-five million pound that, that that they had a turnover, but their losses increased to twenty-two point nine million. So the only thing big about Leeds United at the moment is the losses they are making. I mean, it's disgraceful, really. And it goes to show it's not just about what you earn; it's about what you spend it on. And a club that size still has the operation behind it, the stadium, the staff, support staff, the wages that they're playing, and you have to adapt to being in the championship and. That's what they haven't really done. And there's teams bigger than them, you know, gone down further than them. And you only got to look down at League One and see Sheffield United in, I think, this is their sixth year coming up in, in League One now. You know, seeing teams like Portsmouth, I mean, you, you can go down. You have to adjust. And the, the year you start adjusting and realise that you are where you are now and not where you were in the early 70s, is perhaps the time that they'll start moving forward again. And, and again, looking around the leagues as well, I mean, interesting, we watched the, the Scottish Cup final where Stubbs, who was, uh, he was actually... Um, well, the Hibs manager, and he won them. He's very, very happy. He was actually the he was actually in the coaching team at Everton, who basically was very instrumental in giving us uh, um, Bidwell and Forshaw and players like that. You know, so you know the Stubbs, bit of a, bit of a Brentford, you know, friend. And interestingly, but he wins the Scottish Cup final, and then he goes to Rotherham. Which, I mean, I thought that was a rather bizarre move because. Uh, if he'd probably waited around a little bit longer, he probably would have got a better gig like Leeds United. Really, that's a joke. Um, but it, it shows the state of Scottish football, doesn't it? Is that you know Hibernian, who are you know the probably the major team in, in Scotland's capital city in Edinburgh, 
you know, win the win the Scottish Cup for the first time in 75 or something years. It might even be longer than that. Um, and Alan Stubbs will be regarded as a hero, but then chooses to leave a week later to go and manage Rotherham in the Championship. And it just shows the disparity that there is in money between the Scottish leagues and the English leagues. Yeah, I don't think you can compare um, Scotland to England anyway. I mean, for those of us who watch the Scottish Cup final, yeah, it was very, very entertaining standards. You know, is it as good as uh, the standard we watch week in, week out? I think that's doubtful. Um, there's clearly some good players there and some good managers. I think it's a very strange one coming to Rotherham. And I'm sure we'll talk about league restructuring later. You know, Rotherham, who could find themselves dropping down a league in the new structure if it was happening this year. Um, and still, that's deemed as a step up for Stubbs. So uh, that's a strange one for me. I think as well, maybe give Rotherham a little bit of credit. I, I think I think we I think we look down at Rotherham, but you know they they survived they survived a couple of seasons in in, in the Championship now. Um, so you know let, let let's let, you know maybe they maybe they can build. You know we, we we hear the words Rotherham, we don't think it's very sexy and very glamorous, but a lot of people say that about us. And you know credit where credit's due, they they survive at this level. Um, maybe 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 he's seen what Warnock's done, and maybe he's thinking he can build on it. So fair play. I mean. And I'm also, you know, in talking about second of managers, I think I might as well just get it in early. Why sack Smith? Anyway, let's move it on. Listen, just one other thing we'll talk about. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, uh, that, is, that is quite early. <laughs> the pictures haven't even come out. So anyway, look, um, just one, one other point as well, because we, we're not going to talk about the Brentford section here, but we've got to talk about the new head coach, only because the new head coach is bound to be like announced within the next two or three or four weeks. Head scout. <laughs> The new head scout, sorry, like, you know what I'm saying? So we're going to get the new head scout. Why Sack Smith? Why yeah. Sack Smith? As I'm saying, the whole Twitter's gone mad. It's like social media's gone absolutely mad. Oh no, why Sack Smith? Yeah, he knows what's going on. Sorry. So the new head scout um, is going to be announced within the next two, probably two, three weeks, maybe even less than that. We've got no idea. And so we thought, you know, we, we couldn't talk about it before and we've talked in and around it. So we thought we'll talk about the new head scout, except for the problem is that we don't really know anyone who's gone for the head scout job, except for Andy Scott, who obviously works for the club, and possibly Robbie Cook, who used to play for Brentford, but and he was like with Moisey and uh, and Everton, and he hasn't got a job at the moment now. But that's just speculation. Man, Man United as well. He was at Man United, but then he, when Moyes left, then he left, and he's just kind of sitting up there. So you know, that's a speculation on our part. But yeah, it's um, Andy Scott. So. But the fact is, we don't know who's going to be head scout. Um, but we can only talk about Andy Scott. What if Andy Scott were to be head scout? Is this a good thing? You know my opinions. So I'm not. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and turn around and say it's going to be a good thing. I. 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 I don't. I didn't. I didn't rate him as a player or as, or as a manager. So let, let, let's hope he's a, a better. If it, if it is him, let's hope he's a good scout. Um, I thought he was alright as a player. Um, I thought he was quite effective. Um, as a manager, um, I, I, you probably would say that his, that his weaknesses were the amount of players that he brought in. And I've said it before, when he benched Sam Saunders and pretty much put him out of the squad um, at the beginning of his last season, I always thought it was a strange move. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. You always give players a chance. You give managers a chance. Do you give the new head scout a chance? Because like we don't know who's got the job. We can only talk about Andy Scott because he's the only person we know who's applied. Other than possibly Robbie Cook, who's another Brentford legend who is in the scouting game. Um, and he was like a top, top scout, Man United and Everton as well. Um, I can never forget that goal he scored at Bournemouth. Absolutely fantastic goal. Put us 3-2 up on his knees. The whole end going absolutely mental. Uh, if Robbie Cook got the job, 
I'll, I'll be very happy, even though I don't really know anything about his scouting activity, but he's been obviously big in the game. Yeah, never met Robbie Cook. Um, did meet Andy Scott once. Um, Robbie Cook, though, as people more statistically minded and better memories than me will tell me, 31 years ago today was the Freight Rover at uh, Wembley 1985 against Wigan. The first of many Wembley heartaches for us. If only I'd known then what I know now, I um, would have enjoyed it more. But Robbie Cook's fantastic goal that day. So for me, he gets my vote. And the other Robbie Cook story, um, we're talking about Martin Lange who introduced the playoffs. Martin Lange, um, I heard, once sold a Ferrari of his to buy Robbie Cook. Um, and the Ferrari now, if he had kept it, would be worth £3 million. And Robbie Cook, we sold, I think we gave away, did we, in the end? So um, that was another thing. Although Martin Lange passed away last October and it was his memorial recently. So it shows you the kind of sacrifice that he did for a, for a player. As long as we're not buying Robbie Cook back now for £3.1 million as head scout. Around and around we go. We start talking about things when there's no football. Where else is there to look? What else is happening? There's one particular point we want to talk about, which is the fact that you are not allowed to take drugs while playing football. And in particular, if it's drugs are in an asthma pump, because it is completely and utterly against the law. Alan Judge was a judge to be a drug taker only a few days ago. And... Um, <laughs> It did sort of amuse us in a certain way, but we also thought, you know, yeah, the rules are the rules because the same are the rules in, in, in running and in all sorts of places. But uh, it seemed a little bit extreme to myself because the geezer is not, he's not going overboard. He obviously overpumped his asthma pump and he's on a FA charge now. No, they need to come down and come down hard, Bill. You know, we all know it's a gateway drug this asthma pump nonsense one minute you're just puffing away and the next minute you're injecting crack so uh, he's a disgrace Bill disgrace I mean you, you've got to give him some sort of leeway and obviously you know the, the courts have given him sort of leeway and they've they've given him a dispensation to a certain extent they've given him a warning they've waved their finger so don't you think that's enough wagged they wagged their finger it's a clear message from the FA isn't it to all asthmatics out there give up don't try and be a professional sportsman if you've got asthma don't try and better yourself. Give up and stay at home. That's the message they're sending out. I mean, you, you obviously have got no sympathy with uh, Alan Judge here whatsoever. I mean, I'm going to have to be devil's advocate here, and I'll say that I think he's had a bit of a short shrift. I think there was. A, I think that was heavily laced with irony, Bill. I, I, I don't think either of us meant one word we said. I think we ought to probably give asthma pumps to the rest of the team as well, because if that was responsible for the way he played for the large majority of last season, it probably ought to be on the pre-match meal. Alan Judge got he got a judge, but we were sitting down there. We're trying to work out exactly when this happened because, from what I can gather, this was a beginning of the year thing for for Alan Judge, around about probably January, February time. So this has been you know hanging around him for for a while. I know that you sort of say that the team's played very well, but also we went for a bit of a dodgy spell January, February, and into March. And I'm just wondering whether or not this was actually playing on his mind. Because obviously, if he got a charge, say, in January, January, February, March, we had a bit of a dodgy spell. A lot of things go for Alan Judge. Uh, you know, so thank you very much, FA. Maybe the FA was responsible for Brentford's dodgy patch. And maybe we've got a claim against them. Um, yeah, um, that's an interesting theory, Bill. Um, I, but, but, but all jo- I mean, all joking aside, for, for, um, for Judge, it would, pro- it would appear that he would have known about the fact that he had tested 
you know, for want of a better word, positive, and then have to wait for a period of time before he finds out the, um, you know, what what's going to happen. I don't know if there's been, you know, so that that period probably would have played quite heavily on his mind. Um, I know somebody that went through something quite similar. Um, albeit it was, an, it was a, um, a nasal inhaler and they were given what they believed to be their prescription inhaler but turned out not to be um, in, a, in a chemist in another country and a professional sportsman and put in a similar position to Judge Felder um, a drugs test and I know that period of time for them was incredibly you know put them into a complete um, uh, into a complete panic and were very worried about their future whether it's different to the judge story and whether but I still would imagine it would have played on his mind apparently that person got sacked as well didn't they they, they did get sacked because the team the team that they were representing um, uh, were basically running out of money so it was it was a very good excuse for them to sack that person yeah but, but, you know it hasn't happened in, in this case at all because at the end of the day we know it's not been very fair. No, but you were right to point out that it, it did coincide with a very, very uh, crappy period and, and a sequence of fixtures. It did coincide with the, with the transfer deadline as well. So, you know, whether, whether, this, whether this drugs test had any effect in that run or Alan Judge not moving on or staying or what have you, you know, it, 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 may, it, may have, it may have played a part. I would suggest he's probably on slightly stronger drugs now anyway for the pain relief for his, um, for his unfortunate injuries. So, yeah, it kind of puts it into perspective really, doesn't it? As, a, as an asthma sufferer myself, you take your asthma pump because you need your asthma pump. It's sore as hell didn't turn me into a championship footballer. Indeed, but you weren't a bad footballer, the Dutchman in front of me in, in the goal. I just said, stand there and just don't let anyone come near me. But look, good job they didn't have drugs tests for those games. <laughs> So, as we said, June the 1st, the new beginnings, things start to happen. Rumours have already started to happen in and around the league. Brentford, who's coming, who's going? Last season, we had a lot of comings and a lot of goings. We've been told this season it's going to be a little bit more stable. Good thing is that we've already got a manager, or a sort of head coach, as they like to say, who's in place. So he's already in place, so he knows he's been given his instructions. Thank God for that. You know, so he's been saying, right, this one should stay, this one should go, and he's already in there getting his pre-season. They're already planned. They're going to Germany, which is nice. But we still want to know who's coming and who's going. There's been a few rumours flying around. Not loads of rumours, but a few rumours they're flying around. To be quite honest with you, they're not really rocket science even, because you look at the contract situation, who's signed, who has not signed, and you think, right, you know, these looking a little bit predicament here. And, of course, the first rumour was... Jake Bidwell. I mean, that one was flagged up from, you know, earlier on this season. Jake Bidwell, I think we talked about this quite a few bits on the podcast. Will Jake Bidwell be a player who might be seeing out the door? He's been at Brentford for quite a while, I think five years now, since 2011, when she first came to the club. So 12, you know, four, four, five years, he's been there for a bit of a time. And a lot of his old mates have left and just things have changed. And also maybe he sees it as another challenge. It seems to be like it's one of those. He's seen his other other teammates go on and earn more money, and maybe he feels his or his agent feels that it's, it's his time to do that. You know, it's maybe it's a it's a it's a so, so a pounds per week move rather than necessarily a career one. We're talking about QPR in for him. Apparently, we've we've heard Wolves are sniffing round as well. Um, we've been we've been light in that position for two. 
for two seasons now. You know, we've got pretty pretty precious little cover for him. So that is it is concerning. He's been a great servant for the club, and it would be sad to see him go. A lot of a lot of fans are saying he's reached his reached his ceiling at Brentford. Um, we, we 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 can do better. I'm not I'm not so sure. I think I think he's a, I think he's a you know he's a very solid player, but well, I think we'll if he if he were to go, we're looking at two two fullbacks rather than just one, you know, maybe three. Well, I mean, I think with the fullback situation, I think we've kind of been winging it a little bit because we've been saying you know, oh, Connor can play on the left, like you know, Bellan can play on the left. We've been doing that situation and dealing with it. We did try and get a sub left back, I think, last summer in the, in the, the window beforehand, but it never quite worked out. We thought this will do because I think. Jake's one of them players which he's always reliable, made him captain, so first name on the sheet, so which is all good. But the, the thing about it is that, and I'll say this as well, I've got you know some mates in QPR um, quite close to the scene, and the thing about it is that you know I, I think the, the Jake situation is, uh, I, I, I mean I think he's gone. He's, he's from what I can feel, they they really want him, and you know we're in the scenario is that if, if a team really wants a player. Um, we, we're gonna, we're gonna, unless he really wants to stay, we're going to struggle to keep him. He's not signed a new contract. And for me, this has not been a great sign. You've got KBR on that side of him, so they really want him, and he hasn't signed a new contract. So I think we're going to be looking at a, a new left-back without a shadow of a doubt. But the flip side is sometimes there is a time where it is, it is right time to move on. You know, I, I hope, hopefully, you know, we, we won't lose him. But if we, if we do lose him... Then there are other left backs out there. It isn't the end of the world, and we, we, we keep seeing that. You know, there there are shelf lives of players, and they just, they, they want to move on at some stage. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the same position. I, w- I wouldn't want to see him go. My only thought is, I'm interested to get Matt's view on this, who's our tactical expert. But um, it struck me as this season, Bidwell, and it may be the way we play anyway, but Bidwell was less keen on bombing forward in his left-back position than I seem to remember him doing in the past. Whether that might be something to do with age, whether it might be, you know, the the, the, the tactics. I'd be interested in Matt's take on that. Um, I think Bidwell's strength is that he's a good, solid left-back. Um, I think we, we... I mean, there are times this season when we've clearly been left attack, less attack-minded than we were um, a season ago. And Safe, when, safer. Yeah, yeah, just pl- played a bit safe, and I, I would suggest it was that more than that. Bidwell's lost any sort of, um, you know, you know, has lost any of his um, pace or or, or whatever. Um, uh, he's, he's he's like he's 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 like he's part of the furniture, isn't he? Um, I think it's a bit of a step into the unknown um, going on without him because actually I think Dave's point's very good that um, you, you're probably not looking at one replacement unless you think Fields up to the up to it you're probably looking at two replacements because you could bring somebody in who who within a few weeks you could be thinking he's not up to it um so i i would i prefer to be honest i would prefer to sort of see him stay and us bring a and see him stay for another year take a chance on on him for another year and okay we'd lose a few quid um but bring a, a younger left back in and throughout the season integrate the younger player into the side but and you say also lose a couple of quid because obviously well, the mon- the money we're talking about is about 3 mil uh, which do you, do you think it's that much though do you really think it's 3 mil i'm just saying 3 mil is the figure bounded around so if after that goes to everton there's one and a half million that yeah. we get now if it's two and a half million it's 1.25 yeah, so, so the, you know the difference is you know so 1.25 1.5 million so the question is that you're sort of saying maybe it might be better just to lose 1. 1.25 mil to solidify ourselves especially if we're going to be you know pushing this this season 
that's my that's been my thought with the 50, if, if it is fifty percent to Everton, then you know um, maybe that is maybe that is one loss worth taking for this season. I don't you know I don't know. It's part see what the money man thinks. I'm a bit worried because if I've got um, you right, Matt and Laney, we're now we're going to have to play two left backs every game. Is that what you're saying? You're going to replace them with two left backs, which probably leaves us light somewhere else on the pitch, doesn't it? I think I think Biddle's a very underrated player. I think he's a very good, solid left back for us. Um, I'd rather he stayed. If he left, I guess you always think perhaps fullbacks are more replaceable than others. But do you know what? I've got to be honest. I'll be absolutely gutted if he goes to QPR. But let's, let's not, you know, let's not forget. It's not only his defending powers that we will be losing. It's his goal prowess. He scored two absolute stonking goals last season. In his head. Well, Cardiff and Preston. You know, uh, oh, did he? Sc- oh no, did he score at Reading? No, he scored at um, scored at MK as well. Was it three? Was it three goals last year? Blimey! So f- that's, that's, that's a lot of goals. So listen. So the Bidwell. We're talking about the Bidwell. The jury's out as to what's going to happen with the Bidwell. So obviously there's moves being made to cover that off if that needs to be. Also, the other person who has not put pen to paper, who's a person who is completely and utterly. Brilliant the last few seasons. He is a completely utter professional. He's a very, very nice guy. Um, and, you know, there's nothing best can be said about him. And, again, he's been here for quite a while, which is David Button. You know, a little bit worrying, you know, but he's been he's been around, you know, for, for like I said, for a while. But he hasn't put pen to paper. Now, whether or not they're wangling a new deal or whether or not he just feels this is the time is nine. You know, that a year ago, Tony Parks, who was at Aston Villa, was sniffing around him. You know, Tony Parks actually recommended Button to us when... Um, Tottenham and he said look you know David Button is a player that you should get you got him from Charlton at the time and he says and Tony Parks said I think he's a brilliant player I would sign him at any stage and Tony Parks told, told us that he's on a podcast if you just check out Tony Parks Pride of West London podcast it's on there and he said that he thinks he's a brilliant player so you know Villa have come down to us and they've come with a lot of money not saying that Villa are going to do it but you know it's, it's at the stage where that team needs to rebuild so it could be Villa it could be anyone else but very very surprised that the it's, in, it's interesting with Button there's not been that many whispers about him which is one of those things which makes you think you get a little bit nervous because you've got all these rumours flying around with other players but all of a sudden with him he's like boom he might just kind of disappear he hasn't signed his contract and for me that's one that kind of doesn't sort of kind of bow too well with me but again you know there's been rumours about Brentford looking at goalkeepers as well because obviously they want to be covered in their asses. again same thing I think he's a fantastic player he's been great for us I sometimes worry about these goals we've taken on you know, him Richard Lee before we haven't made it at other clubs in and out, second choice. You know, spend a lot of their time being second choice. They finally come to a club where they establish themselves as first choice. Um, you know, he's improved since he's been with us. He, he's made a few errors in his early career, and there were people unsure about him. Um, he's kicking. You know, he's improved massively. He's now a very, very good Championship goalkeeper. Um, and I'm with you, Billy, on that. I do worry when things go silent. They tend to be the ones that come sneak up on you. Um, I would be most happy if he signed and stayed with us. There's a lot of pontificating this time of year, isn't there, about money and people wanting to move, and a lot of it's about money and were um, you know, equal financial offers or you know, equivalent or maybe slightly alternative offers on the table. It might be slightly different, but if you had a contract at the moment at this point of the season, you you also would be selling yourself around, wouldn't you, to get the best offer that you can? Yeah, well, this again, this is the problem that I think that we got is the problem we got is the fact is that you know, whatever people may say, other clubs can offer players more money than what we can do and you know people might say ah, I just offer them more money but we just can't do it so what, what do you do what do you do to button you know to bid well what do you do to button if somebody comes off of them 15 grand a week 18 grand a week you know we just we can't we can't do anything about it I think, I think button gets a bit of a bad press you know I think I think is, is, a, is a set of supporters that, that sign a 
think he's got awful distribution and he's just a shot stopper. You know, I think I think you know the fans that have travelled home and away week in week out see exactly how many points that he's saved us. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't quite say that he's he was impor- as important as Andre Gray's goals were in that first season, but he wasn't far away. Um, some of the saves that he made, I and mean, we can, you know, Norwich in particular away, you know, he, he won us those games, and and he's, he he can pull off worldies, and he has pulled off worldies. I, I would say over the last couple of years, and if if I was honestly him, I would be setting my sights at the top level. I would honestly think I was capable of playing in the Premiership, and I, I think he probably could. But I'm not. I think it might be another Simon Moore where we would just go away and sit on the bench. So, if I were him, I would be careful what you wish for. Make you know, make, maybe look over a longer term. You're at longer term earning potential rather than one move just to, as a quick fix. I, I agree with all of that. I mean, he's made over 130 appearances for us uh, in the last three years, and I would argue that he probably kept us up last season. I think yeah. that we could have been in real, real stuck without the saves that he made for us. Um, particularly when we were going through that bad six, seven, eight weeks, he he he, he kept us in, in in the league. And I absolutely echo your point, Dave. Um, and is that um, it would be a real shame, worry to get go to a. Um, one of the top five championship or one of the lower league premiership clubs and sit on the bench he'll get a lot more money but he won't get any game time and that's you know there are a lot of very good keepers out there so we could get equally we could get a good replacement but equally I think you know he's probably not going to see himself start in the starting lineup. and if you're a professional footballer don't you want to start a game every week so I mean, we've got Biddle Button. The other player, again, which is interesting, who hasn't signed a contract, who's been put in front of him, is actually Josh Clark. Who, and that's an interesting little one as well, because Josh Clark was, you know, there was if and button. He's, I think he's had one-year extensions every every year as to whether or not the club wants to extend it. And last year, I think they're if and button as to whether it would do it. In the end, they did give him a little little chance, put him out to Barnet came back and he's done the business now so he's come back and he's kind of broken into the first team played a few games looks a little bit lively so he's kind of put his head above the parapet but I said he's gone into sort of a Mawson zone now where he's just probably thinking do I actually kind of play for a team who's going to play me every week and you know go and get a deal get a contract get, get a bit more money a team that's going to play me every week or do I play at Brentford who I might be still second third choice player who comes off, off, off the bench and if a player gets injured I'll get my opportunity Yeah I think that's interesting I think the difference with, with Josh and the other two that we mentioned is I, I can't see how he's going to step up at this stage, you know, the other two are going to go to potentially bigger clubs. You know, we're talking about could Button be a Premiership, you know, perhaps a, a lower end Premiership club or one of the bigger spending Championship clubs you know, Bidwell, QPR, whatever we think of QPR um, you know, they're a big club like, like it or not, um, you know Clark, you can't really see a team above us picking him up and taking a chance him. I think he's worth a punt. I think he's promising, um, although he's had lots of chances at it now. But you kind of think the next step for him is down. And if, if down brings more money, that probably sums up the whole problem that we're facing. But down down may be a good career move for him. So he, he, he actually gets, you know, he, so he, he can go to a team like, you know, Dak Alvin Wilson did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, go, 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 go down one and flourish. And, you know, then you, then you really wish him well. 
you know, I, I, I don't think going up and, and languishing in reserves is, is ever a good career move. But going down and trying to rebuild, then, you know, good luck to him. There is this, there's this horrible no-man's land that sits between development squads and first teams um, now. And, um, and, and, and Clark, probably, he probably finds himself in that no-man's land. There's a couple of players in front of him in the first team because he want to keep playing development squad football. Um, you know what's best for him in his football career, and and I think this is a whole conundrum that that, that football at our level is trying to find some sort of you know t- trying to balance. But from the from a fan's perspective, and I think if Clark is listening to this, you know from from the fans from the fans' take, we've seen enough to probably want you to be at this football club, and you know you you're an exciting player, and you've got lots to um, offer us. So stay if if you if you if you want to if you want to know what people think of you, we, we think you're a, a decent player and you know there's a good chance of you making it at Brentford. But you know I, we fully understand as well that if there's other clubs that are, can guarantee you first team then then go there. But you know we we, we rate you. Yeah, no, no, I would back that point up. I, I agree 100. percent I just I just think he's just unfortunately because there's probably two, at least two players ahead of him. Um, there is this no man's land. Yeah, just to I mean, his loan was at Barnet, and with no disrespect to Barnet or anybody else, I mean that, that's dropping down several layers of uh, the, the league table to, to perform, and he, he did well there. But uh, there's, there's a sharp drop down, isn't there? I mean, he's got a chance to be at a Championship club, you know, a club that most people think are on the up. Um, I'm not sure his his step is possibly quite as. Uh, low as you think it might be even lower so, I mean, so looking at players you know potentially players going out there I don't know if there's anyone else I mean, I mean I'd like to think that that, that is it you know as, as the club thinks that there's not, there's not going to be as much free flowing to and fro this year now let's look at what's coming in as well so again this is dealing with rumours because obviously no one's actually said anything now but there's like you know there's rumours and there's strong rumours and the not so strong win- the transfer window slammed open again now is it now I think it has, yeah, sort of thing. Oh, as, as far as we're concerned, it has. I think maybe there's contracts that are, are up at the end of June, the end of this month. So there's deals have been doing now, knowing that they're not going to oh, sort of kind of. Seen it on Sky. No one's wearing yellow or anything yet. No, no, I don't think officially. I'm not sure exactly exactly how it works. But look, look. So I mean, interestingly, so people are touting players around. So let's talk about Alex Pritchard. I'm going to talk about Alex Pritchard only because uh, Tottenham have taken him for a year. Okay, he got injured for a little bit, and they've gone. All right, we don't want you anymore. Eight million. Tottenham are absolutely loving Brentford, aren't they? Because yeah. we, we've taken him and we have made him a player that they rate at eight million pounds. I know he had a, you know, he had a little bit of a um, sojourn to Samwell and play for for West Brom for a little bit, but um, you know, it, it, it's what he did at Brentford that's made Spurs automatically think there's, there's an eight million pound tag on him. Unfortunately, that I probably that well almost certainly ruled him out of a return, a permanent return. But is there a loan return? No, no, because we've we've wages changed. Now, well, it's not wages as well, but it's, it's like we're, we're, what's our perspective? And then why why are you bringing a player like Alex Pritchard in that you're? Eight million pound that you've got no chance of signing him. So what you're doing it for? You're going to build him up to twelve million pound for somebody else. You know, okay, you might say you might add to us getting into the championship or to the next league, which is a scenario. But I think Brentford, maybe last season, season before, we're looking at bringing players in, and yes, if they can help us, fine. But I think probably we learned the lesson with people like 
Pritchard, who is a great player and did great things for us, but also at the same time, I think the frustration of not being able to get him because we built him up so high that we're thinking, right, we need to actually kind of put money into our own players or put in money or put our efforts into players that we think that we might be able to get. We still might not be able to get them. Like obviously, they're trying to get Swift, and may or may not happen. I know a lot of fans are still unclear about him. But the thing about Swift, which is interesting, is Swift. If Swift was Pritchard, everyone would be raving about him, but then we never get him. But the fact is that Swift didn't do a Pritchard, but he might, if we bought him next season, do a Pritchard. That is kind of where you want the players to be at. Not sure, but we'll see what's going on there. But what I'm trying to say to you is that it shows what happens if you big a player up too much. Sergi Canos is another example. Great, great player. And he's had some great games for us. He's also had some games where he's been sort of quite anonymous. But you hear all the hype. So the hype's gone in. He's gone into Liverpool. They'll probably take him in for a bit. He'll play a bit. And they're like, oh, no, we'll send you back out on loan again. Because we've done a lot of the hype work for them. So they think, oh, Sergi Canos, 4 million, 5 million or whatever. We know that Sergi's still got a lot of groundwork to be done. So we probably know him better than most. And I think it's actually quite a good point you make there is to kind of recalibrate what we actually are and what, and what it is that we, how we operate. You know, we, it has to work for Brentford. So you, you get these players in on loan and if there's a chance of signing them in the long term, then all well and good. But if there isn't and they go back to their parent club and then the, the price gets hiked up some ridiculous levels, then it's not going to work for us. So, you know, let's, let's not build our build our hopes up too high on the Pritchard front maybe I'd love to see Pritchard playing back for us but also what we have to remember is the loan system has changed this year or for the new season you can only make loans in the transfer you can only agree loans in the transfer window and you can only recall players back from loans in, in within that transfer window as well so basically what we're saying is that you've, it, you've got to be sure that the player you're bringing in on loan is right for you because you're going to be stuck with them for, for six months or five months or you know and therefore it's got to be much greater planning and there's a good article actually I recommend uh, people uh, look at Phil Giles uh, interview he did with Tom Moore of Get West London uh, this week or maybe in the end of last week where Phil Giles explains about how we're going to have to look and really think about the players that we're bringing in on loan because it'll be for a much longer period and, and so their parents club will be saying well are you going to play these guys every week and also We've uh, Brentford will be saying, well, are we? Do we really need this player, or is he going to be on a subspend? So the whole loan system changing means that actually clubs have got a different implication this year. Okay, it's interesting. So and. Look, like I said, let's also talk about the other players. I mean, there's players that are coming in, which are, you know, we can talk about the speculation, but, you know, there's the strongest rumours going around. Uh, Sawyers and Egan, of course, as we know, Sawyers from, you know, again, in effect, they're there or thereabouts. It's not been officially done, but I think, you know, the Walsall fans have tweeted about it. The Gillingham fans know he's gone. Um, so those two guys will be interesting. We talked about this before. Egan, centre-back, you know, what's going to be the situation? We've got, we've got you know, we've got three, four centre-backs now. So, um, a couple of left back. No, that's not going to happen. I don't think. I think that maybe a spare left back, but I think we're going to actually get a dedicated left back. We got this, the scenario there. We got Sawyer's and Egan as well, and also. But the other thing is, like I said, we talk about goalkeeper. We we, we got to be looking at a goalkeeper. I mean, the names that be the name that be flying around at the moment is on the internet. It's been Bentley as well. He was flying around from last summer. Was it last South End? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he did look good in the, the games I saw him. I only, I only saw him on TV, but he, he, he did look good. You know, and that, I mean that was flying around. Off, there's rumours that we'd bid 
was it 500 grand through? I can't remember what it was last, was it Christmas time? Um, or was it last summer? I can't remember that didn't go through or whatever like that. But again, it's there, always there or thereabouts. And obviously Southend um, didn't, didn't do what they were meant to do. And he's highly rated players. A number of players after him as well. You know, goalkeeper as well. There's another player's name that's been floating around again. Um, Lundstrom, which is from Oxford. From Oxford yeah. yeah, which is a central midfielder. Again, there's a couple of names floating around from Oxford in there. And it, it, it shows you, you know, from the interview we did with Benham um, earlier in the year, you know, the, 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 the realignment to, to, to homegrown or lower division elite players. Um, you know, that, I think that's what we're looking at this summer. Whether they all come off, whether one of two or three of them come off, but, you know, we'll, we'll find out in the, in the weeks and months ahead. But The know. question is, I mean, like, look... Lundstrom is a central centre, but do, do, his name's been blended around. Do we do we need him? We got we got Woodsy. You know what I'm saying? We got Woodsy. We got um, we got Nico. You know, is yeah, we, we, but I think that's what the last few weeks of the season showed us. We we've got options. We got better options than we ever thought we had in February. Um, um, as great as it is having football players in the middle of the park. Um, we still we probably still need to replace um, Tamani. Um, we got McCormack. We're going to get maybe another year out of him, but it's going to, he's not going to play the full season because we've seen how susceptible he is to injury and stuff like that. And he's and he's not getting any younger. So um, I think we need to start looking for a player in that mould. Um, and I'm, if I'm honest, I don't see um, Yanaris or Woods either of those um, being that player. And we've got you know Judge is going to come back. At some stage, you know, we, we do need options in the middle. You know, Kirschbaumer, he ended the season well, but, you know, there's still, you know, still I think the jury's out on him. So, you know, but we, do we want to spend £2 million on players for that position? Probably not. You've got to upgrade every year. It was great to have the fantastic end of the season, but we're not a team yet that's anywhere near the playoffs next season. You know, we have to upgrade in certain positions and we can all. You know, discuss and disagree on what those should be. I think the question is, do you go for the one marquee signing? You know, is, is there one name that you try and get in with a bit of money that gets the fans going? And you know, it, it ain't eight million for Pritchard, in my opinion. That, that's far too much. Is it four million for Canos? Possibly. You know, but do, do you do you do do you do something? You know, is, is there something there that gets in? Is it a striker? Is it a midfielder? I think I think we all have to. We need to upgrade certain areas, not just replacing. We need to upgrade. Uh, again, you know, a player that's been banded around for ages, and it's, it's not rocket science there. It's, it's, we keep our roof from Oxford. You know, we're not the only team that's going to be in for him. Everyone and their dog's going to be in for him, whether or not he comes to us or he goes to, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, who've got loads of money, or he goes down to somewhere in Sheffield United. We've got no idea. But again, it's interesting to see kind of where we might be kind of looking at to kind of fill these players as well. I mean, the other thing to say is, I mean, he's got Roof who does his business as well, but Canos. At the moment now, Canos don't, don't know. There's a bit of a question mark on Canos as to whether or not he's going to come to Brentford um, for various reasons. Liverpool, he's on loan, he's been hyped up. They put a figure on him. To be honest with you, I don't know where that figure's come from. I think it might have been made up. But the fact is that Liverpool, obviously, I've rate him, uh, but he's their player. And, you know, he's done, his, he's done his job for us now. So maybe we might have to presume that he ain't going to come back, which means that we're going to have to replace him. Um, we, need a, we need a winger. Thing about thing about Sergei is that he was brilliant for us, and you know it would be fantastic to see him again in a Brentford shirt. But the, something in the back of my mind says that 
perhaps we've seen we've seen the best of him because he was determined to make an impression on all sorts of people when he when he played for us and he he did that because he obviously made an impression on on clock because he got back into the Liverpool team for the final game of the season so i think uh, Sergio, you know, if you signed him permanently, he might not be quite the player that we all thought we were signing. But that's not to that's not to say he is not a brilliant player. I think you could argue the same for Pritchard as well, couldn't you? You know, the same as you saw with Forshaw and others. You know, people have their moments in certain teams, and you know, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't advocate paying that money for any of them. Not, not that I'd mind any of them back. But the money you pay, I, I agree with it. You, you, it could be the best season you got. You know, Yotta, you could argue you saw the best of Yotta, you know, and he's, he's probably my all-time favourite B ever. Um, part of me doesn't want to see him back <laughs> because I like to remember him the way that he was. But I think there's, there is that bit where you have that moment, that season, that combination of players around you. And that's why paying that money is a risk. You know, if you just look at it in the cold light of day, would you pay £8 million for Pritchard or four for Canos? The answer is probably no. So I, mean, so, I mean, like I said, it's, it's very, very early days. There's a lot of rumours flying around. We've thrown a couple into the pot that have been flying around there on the internet, the names that's been flying around. There's other players, you know, probably Academy. There's got to be, you know, the talk of the fact that, we'll talk about this later, about the Academy being closed down. Um, we'll be looking at other academies. We'll be looking at, I'm sure, Chelsea or Man City or Liverpool or all these other places to bring players in as well. So there's going to be some sort of movement. But, you know, keep tuned to Besotted because, as you know, We've always got our ear to the ground. We've got our characters in other camps as well who give us a call and tell us they've heard a few things happening. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated over the next few weeks. Big news came in just towards the end of the season. Brentford's Academy, which was very close to the heart of the owner, Matt Benham. I mean, he was like, the Academy, this is what it's all about, developing new players. He made a decision, a U-turn, to close the Academy down, which shocked a lot of people. The press were on our cases saying, what the hell are you doing? I thought, it's all about developing players. I can't believe you've done this. Came through quite a lot of flack. We had a little bit of a sniff around, see what was going on, trying to find out what was happening. Eventually, the club made a statement, which was an interesting statement. They said they had a... They weren't closing the academy. Well, they closed the academy down, but they were still doing youth development, but doing it in a slightly different way because it all boiled down to finances. Now... We've heard from the, the club, they've put their statement out. We've heard from the coaches, we've heard from the fans. But one person that we haven't heard from, or people that we haven't heard from, are the parents of the players who are part of the club. So we thought we'd go out there, speak to a couple of parents to get their opinion on exactly what they thought of the academy and why it closed down and how it affected them. Your son was at the academy. How long was he here for? When did he join? Uh, he joined. Uh, he was he was eleven when he first started, and uh, it, um, it, the whole thing finished when he was sixteen. Um, he was there for four years, and he was scouted by um, Sean and Ozzy. So was he there before the actual academy was started, or was he? There, did he get brought into the academy? Um, he. Uh, my understanding was that when uh, it was called the Centre of Excellence then. And um, all the youngsters and the parents were kind of made aware that, that we were pushing uh, to get academy status. The thing about these kids, these youth kids coming in, they say there's a lot of competition for, for kids, especially in London, because there's so many clubs within a sort of space. I mean, what made you choose Brentford? I mean, did you have other options? Uh, we, we did have uh, one or two other options. But um, w what happened was, I think uh, Crystal Palace were interested in him and we're sort of, um, we were probably a little bit closer to Palace than we were Brentford. 
Um, but it was interesting that um, the uh, Brentford staff really made a fuss, uh, and they, you know, they, they'd been to watch him at school. They'd been to watch him uh, playing for other teams, and um, they they were very very keen. So we thought, look, these people obviously know what they're talking about. So we we, we stuck with with Brentford. Um, we had a few other options. New, it was open a new academy because there were always a centre of excellence, and we just felt we were advised they were a good place to to start off, and we joined. That was basically it, really. What were the high points for him? He, he, a lot of people kind of looked up to him. He was like little Mr. Brentford round here, and um, he was always wearing uh, a t-shirt or a tracksuit top or something that made it clear who he was and uh, who he was playing for. We we would get him to talk at youth clubs and church groups and stuff like this about um, the discipline involved in being a, an academy player and he, he loved that role and a lot of youngsters looked up to him. He loved playing against Arsenal. That was his um, high point, playing against Arsenal and he played them a few times. I mean, I'm not in the academy. You were there week in and week out in your car driving up and down the country to see your sons, watching him training. I mean, what were the good things about the academy? What were the things that you'll miss? It's just great to see a lot of uh, young lads um, uh, working together, working hard, committed. Uh, I always found the boys very respectful, you know, as you greet them before and after games, um, they would always respond politely. Um, and we had this thing of, you know, appreciating them after every game, win, lose or draw, we'd always clap for them and clap for the opposition and stuff. And our boys would always come over and give us a good um, greeting and stuff. And I love that about them. And I, I just missed, missed the family atmosphere. I've heard about other clubs and how some of the coaches feel like they're gifts, God's gift um, and they're not very approachable. Um, so, yeah, I've missed the family atmosphere that Brentford had. Uh, we, it, it wasn't easy driving up and down the country. Uh, I think as the boys got older um, and to some of the further destinations like, I don't know, Norwich or Cardiff, Swansea, those kind of places, Bristol, um, I think um, coaches and that would be laid on. And so the, um, the lads would jump on the coach and we parents, if we wanted to watch it, we'd have to follow the coach or just make our own way down there. Um, so as they got a bit older, it got a little bit, um, I suppose a, a, a bit easier for the boys, but perhaps a bit more difficult for us, the parents. But it was always a great atmosphere. We always got on quite well together. Um, and, uh, yeah, loved every bit of it, really. I think it's one of those kind of labours of love. We checked a little bit before, and you, you said that you felt that, that there's at one stage when you noticed that there was a sort of a slight change in the academy. Along with Ozzy, um, Sean was seen as, like, the main guy that runs it. Sean is um, Sean. Sean, what's Sean? Um, what's Sean's last name? I think, I think it's Sean O'Connor. That's right, Sean O'Connor. Okay. And uh, so he, he and Ozzy were seen as like the two main. Uh, I, I might be wrong, but most of the parents saw them too as the main two that ran the whole academy. And I think once uh, Sean left, um, people started to um, get a bit upset about that. He, he left quite suddenly. I, don't, I think a lot of us weren't aware. So you're saying that there was a bit of a kind of change in vibe when, uh, when Sean left? I think that's a fair point. I mean, I, you know, one or two other parents might not see it that way, but I think that was quite distinctive. Sometimes with the, 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 the two academy directors that, you know, you almost had like a good cop, bad cop type uh, situation. You know, they, they were some, sometimes they were very, very jolly and pally and friendly with all the star um with all the parents and we'd have a good joke and a laugh and there are other times 
we'd come in there and we'd be made aware that we all have to be quiet and and you know people are in a bad mood so behave yourself that kind of thing so um it got harder once he was gone it was harder to work out what the vibe was like when we got there so i mean the, the news broke like i said just before um the end of the season were you mm. shocked when the news broke i mean was it something that surprised you yes it was yes it was I, I i um it was a massive shock what i've seen with my sort of limited experience i i uh, I, I felt that the academy was run very very well uh, very efficiently um there wasn't much sort of waste that's for sure i think um so for instance if we didn't have all of our kit or something like that we'd have to go and pay for another one we couldn't just ask them for another one um if um and whenever we got kits we had to uh, put their names on it and stuff like that that's something that we had to pay for i think when they went on some of their um pre-season camps and stuff like this there was a cost to the parents these things none of these things were sort of free um, and I thought that was quite efficient. When you hear about other boys going on different um, tra- um, training things with other clubs and that, and how much uh, money they're kind of throwing around, Brentford was very. Um, Brentford doesn't really do it like that. Um, somebody had mentioned it to me before as a rumor, so um, that bit shocked me. Um, but when the announcement fi- when it was finally the announcement was finally made. I was think I was more shocked because we assumed, I the people that heard the rumor, they were going to either move down to category three, or the yeah move down to category three. We didn't we didn't realize they were going to completely close. Right, and and that's interesting as well because you know one one of the reasons that was cited is obviously it was costs because they they said that the the, the club was uh, the academy was closed down because of cost implications. Um, and they just they wanted to change the way that they did things. Now, in retrospect, now because obviously you just heard what you say, where you thought that the club was actually very frugal. In retrospect, yeah. now looking back on it, do you kind of see where they were coming from, or do you still are you still bamboozled? I'm still. <laughs> I have to say, I am still a bit bamboozled. Um, you know, I I thought um, financially i i didn't see much in the way what i would consider to be waste anyway i i didn't see much of that i felt that if anything uh a bit we parents uh were relied on a bit more than perhaps we should have been i felt that they could have perhaps spent a bit more um for instance like you know end of the season you never got like uh the lads never came with like medals or these kinds of things uh we didn't have those sort of ceremonies that you have uh at, uh, perhaps a, you know the the level of football, of course, is much higher. But uh, things like end of season celebrations and um, uh, medals, players, player, you know, all that kind of stuff. We didn't have any of that for the years that he was there. There was a time, all right. It, it, there was a build up. Some of the lads were from different parts of London, and um, they did arrange like shuttles and stuff like this, and people would meet and get a, a mini bus to training and to games and stuff. Um, but uh, over the last year and a bit, all of that was just stopped. I mean, that, when, when they made the announcement, I, I, I understood it was down to money. The long and short, it was about down to money. I think my biggest upset was the timing. Um, and all academies have a calendar through the year. We all know what happens each quarter, each month. And so I would have felt that they should have made that announcement, done the review earlier on to make the announcement 
way before the end of season. For me, it was more the timing when it was done. Other clubs have closed, um, so Brentford won't be the first and won't be the last. But it's just like a school closing two weeks before the end of end of the school year. How people parents supposed to get their children to another school? What's the next move for your son? Um, hopefully to find another club. It's a difficult one for him. He's he's guided, um, as, and we all are. Um, he loves his football, and I think sometimes football um, took a bit more of his time than perhaps it should. Um, now that the door's kind of been slammed in his face like it has, um, we are trying to pick him up and encourage him to get back into um, or take study and schoolwork a lot more seriously, uh, maybe try and get some grades behind him. And then if the opportunity arises again um, to um, to play at this sort of level, then hopefully you know he'll get noticed. But that's the focus right now. We did try and see if he can get um, trials with other clubs and that, but there are a lot of lads from uh, being released from all sorts of clubs up and down the country um, who are also doing these trials. So, yeah, it's not been straightforward. So we'll, we'll focus on him studying, I think, and then maybe in the new year, we'll maybe next season, we'll, we'll look again. I want to say to you is that good luck with you and your son in looking for another club with his studies and everything like that, and I hope everything goes well for you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Billy. Nice one, and keep up the good work and, and up the bees. There's kind of like two sort of trains of thoughts here with regards to the academy, is there not? Yeah, no, there, there is, and and I speak as a as a parent whose son was with Chelsea's academy for best part of three years, and was with Brentford for 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 about two two and a half years. Um, you know, it, it, every every parent thinks their their son is the best thing in the world, and they are going to make the grade, and they are going to be the one that plays for Brentford and England and whatever none of them ever do um, Chelsea are completely prolific in our area um, their academy at, over at Cobham is stunning um, you know it was brilliant to see my son play there for the time he, he was there and I was immensely proud of him there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids there that were as good or better or brilliant Seb was in the same team as Drogba's son and Lunica's son and Dennis Wise's son um, brilliant experience, none of them are ever going to make it. Um, so you kind of realise what you're up against. And if Brentford were pumping millions of pounds into a system that didn't really ever look like it was going to generate any, any first-team players, then you kind, of, you kind of think that maybe, you know, if it's pound shilling and pence in a business decision, they've just got to make it. Um, whether, we, whether, we, whether we come back and open it again if we're in the Prem... But at the moment, it's about championship survival. And if every penny or every pound you're taking away from the first team means you've got a, a more of a chance of getting relegated, those, those decisions have to be made. And it's horrible for the parents. And I feel desperately sorry for the kids because they believe and who, whoever wants to break a kid's dream about being a pro. And, you know, but it's just maybe that's just life, mate. I mean, and you say this, I mean, I'm going to just come back to a point there because I know you're sort of saying that not developing or bringing through any players, but I'll, you know, I've got to point out the fact that you know Tom Fields obviously came through the academy, um, recently started as left back. We've also had Jan Holdak, who's signed terms as well. He was a top development squad scorer. He scored 13 and 39. We've got Josh Bahui as well, very highly rated. We've got Zane Westbrook. We've got Reese Cole. 
who have come through. Now, I mean, I don't know where they rate on the absolutely... Are they Premier League potential players? Are they Championship potential players? But, you know, they've come through. Obviously, we've had Josh Clark, who also came through, even though he started at the academy before the academy started, so he was in there beforehand. You know, we had Umaga, Aaron Pierre, who didn't stay in, and he went off to Wickham, Alfie Mawson as well. So we've had some players come through. So some people argue to say that, you know, we have got players coming through. But, uh, again, it's still difficult for me, to, for me personally, because I've not, I don't go to development cup games, and I don't see where that rates. You know, it's almost like to me, it seems that if we were a Division One team, these players would have a much better chance. So if they come in and we play them, because it's a different scenario. But as soon as you get into the championship, it the, the bar goes up. So all of a sudden, it's like we find ourselves going to get Canos from Liverpool. And he may or may not get in our side, whereas other players can't get in our side. So all of a sudden, it's like we're pushing the bar up where we're trying to get the better players from these Premier League clubs going in there. So it's almost like our academy has to be as good as those. And I don't know, because I'm not being in there, whether or not that's the case. Um, I, to, I think Dave kind of summed up where I am with academies. I think there's this... This, there's a lot of dreams are getting sold to a lot of kids and there's thousands of them out there and what, what seems to be going on is that clubs are just shoveling up thousands of kids and it's costing clubs money and, and maybe Chelsea who I believe their academy is relatively successful in, t- in terms of turning out players that maybe then Chelsea earn some money from have kind of got there but they've probably got massive resources and it's really paying it's it, you know, it's the returns on the academy, and I, and, and we come to a numbers game that I'm talking about here. But actually, you are also playing with kids' lives, so I'm, I'm a little, I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with the whole system. England, um, England had a European triumph uh, this this week. They won the uh, Toulon Trophy, and I think there were three or four Chelsea play- Chelsea young players, the under 21s, in that in that system who'd come through the academy. One of whom was John Swift. Um, you know, won, won, won that tournament, which is a prestigious tournament to win. But I would be surprised. I mean, Ruben Loftus Cheek is the one that they always talk about at Chelsea as just breaking through into the first team. But I would suggest to you that those players from the Chelsea's academy who have done well enough to get into the England successful England under 21s team who won the Toulon Trophy this year. One of them will go on to play for Chelsea in the Premiership. The rest, I would suggest, are probably going to be at top of Championship or in League One clubs in the next couple of years. And that's where that's where it is. And that's why, actually, Brentford shouldn't be wasting money on an academy. I think that's the point about the money. Isn't it? it's, it's the scarce resources and what they're competing for. You, you know, no one's saying that the academy wouldn't bring through someone eventually or people with limited success, but the money spent on the academy, could it be better elsewhere? So it's not saying you won't get an Alfie Mawson or you won't get a you know, a Josh Clark or just whichever way around it is it saying, but actually the money you're spending on those, could you get better elsewhere? You know, could you get the next Swift, you know, uh, or, you know, Loftus-Cheek and all those people? You know, there's a, there's a limited amount of money to go around and the, the dream is to get to the Premiership as quickly as possible for Benham and he's looking at where he can best spend that money to get the quickest results to take us there. And, and, and let's not forget, you know, it won't be the end of young players or, and young local players coming through we you know we, we didn't have an academy when Kevin O'Connor came through we didn't have an academy we, it's the first time we've ever had an academy so you know we, we have had young players coming through the ranks of Brentford and that 
you know, the restructure will hopefully allow it. I, I don't think any of us in a, in, a, in a dream world would want this to happen, but if it if it's means we, we, we're weaker because of it, then that's the way it has to be. Okay, I mean, so I mean, just 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 for, just to explain the restructure for people who don't know. So basically, we've gone from academy, which means it's from under eight to under twenty-one level. So we had these players coming through eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, developed them over years, which is actually a really really good policy. Um, and they've they cut that now to basically saying they're going to have an elite squad of around eighteen players, starting at seventeen and going to twenty-one. And one of the things that they flagged up is that they're saying that sometimes you develop a player from eight, nine, ten. And you bring them all the way through, develop them for three, four, five years. But the problem is in London, because there's so many clubs in London, if you've got a player who's a really good player, it becomes very difficult when Arsenal or Tottenham or Liverpool come in for that player at the age of 16 or 17 for, for them, to, them to say no. And you find that player, you develop for four or five years and they move on. Not saying this is the only reason why the academy sort of closed down, but these are kind of the reasons that have been flying around. There's been a financial reason that's flying around. Uh, there's that, that Povda, Ian Carlo Povda, who is a player we had from Barcelona, 16 years old, and then Man City came in. I don't know what the fee was for him. I think it's about 50 grand. But again, we've got all these scenarios. Again, not sure of the exact facts and figures, and I think it would be good to have sat down to speak to academy people, academy coaches, people on both sides. But this is just from the information that we've pulled out of here. But for us, we're looking at this and we're thinking, you know, okay, it's interesting because what we've done is I looked at the academy list and I saw, right, we've got this player, but we've plucked him from, and we've plucked him from a side who was lower than us. So we plucked him into the academy from, uh, I can't remember, you know, what, whatever, you know, maybe from Dulwich Hamlet or from, you know, from uh, all these other teams. We plucked these players in, we've signed them in and we've got them to, to, to a bigger team. And it's interesting now where the theory is now where Brentford is looking at plucking these players from places like Chelsea and from Liverpool and from all these other places and looking at getting, in effect, what is the cast-offs. As, as Nick said, a team who produces 100 apprentices or academy players and can't even put one or two of them into the first team they've got to go somewhere so it's almost like the idea of using somebody else's money and you feed in there and you sort of kind of pay them at the bottom end I think also people want instant results though Billy and it's important to remember Nick made the point about Jonathan Swift you know so he's just played for the England under 21s who've just won in Toulon this week and as you know, the, there's a large lot of Brentford fans who don't think he's good enough to play for us. You know, and that's the patience you need to show with these young kids. And we've seen kids coming before. Um, Manny Olilecki's the one who springs to mind for me, who came in, one of our most promising players, got thrown into a game against MK Dons, I remember, when they were doing very, very well at the top of the league. Had a you know, bit of a stinker. Never played again. It takes time, and you've got to have a, a structure. And we're in a place where everyone wants to move fast and move up the league fast. And I guess we're probably looking for players slightly further up the development chain than perhaps your young kids coming through now. And as well, you know, we, we saw uh, some of the, the you know the darker stages of last season. How our fans were demanding, you know, the standards that were above fifth in the division. You know, how does that sit with? Blooding young players that may or not may, may or may not make it. I don't think the appetite is there from from a section of fans. So you know, I, I think well, you know you're right when you say that they demand instant success or instant standards. You know, you've got players that have come out of Austrian top divisions who who they say aren't aren't fit to, to lace the boots. You know, so I, I think you know being in the championship is all about survival. 
all about survival. It's all about survival, and it's interesting because we're talking about the Academy now, but let's hark back to 2014 because uh, Matt Venom did an interview on the Griffin Park Grapevine, which is one of the leading Brentford forums, and he just did a Q&A there. He just got on board, and people asked him loads of questions about stuff, and he answered the questions very, very clearly and very, very honestly. And in that Q&A, he actually talked about the Academy, very proud of the Academy, it was a Cat 2 Academy, and he talked about the idea of it actually at some stage becoming a Cat 1 Academy. He talked about the idea that you, they actually might save money because they might get more grants as well, you know, as part of that whole thing. So he talked about the Academy, thought it was going to go up to another level. So ironically, we're here um, two years later, and there's no Academy whatsoever. But I'm just, just harking back to this Matt Venom interview as well, because there was like quite a few interesting points in that interview um, do, I don't, don't, don't you remember it at all? I mean, um, Dutchman. Yeah, I've read a bit about the Cat 1 thing, which you kind of just, you know, you have to kind of smile ironically now after the latest news. And the other one that stood out for me was the fact that Montel Moore was his star man. Yeah, there was a guy there that the system had brought through and he identified as being the man who was going to make it in the future. And, you know, two years later, clearly that, that's not where he is. And I guess that just shows the vagaries and the, you know, the, the percentage risk that you have with bringing through kids 14, 15, 16, 17. Um, you know, and, and how things can change very, very quickly. I thought it was fascinating to, to look back at that interview. I know it's been a couple of years, but you know, Bill, you know, you know what turns me on. I thought, I thought the the most enlightening question was um, his favourite cheese. It's um, goat's cheese, feta cheese, or halloumi. Indeed, indeed. It's interesting as well. He talked about FFP in this thing again, something we talk about a lot. But he talked about that at a time when no one really worried about FFP too much. I thought, oh, we've just been promoted because it literally was a couple of months after we'd been promoted. And what he just said is that we were very, very close to actually the FFP um, borderline where we'd have got sanctioned. If we'd gone over it, if we hadn't sold full short as well, we'd have gone over the FFP and we'd have been sanctioned up until January 2016 embargoed, which meant that we couldn't have signed a load of players, including Colin, Vibe, Barbe, you know, a load of other players as well, which is quite interesting. And, you know, like I said to you, look back on that. It's actually on the Besotted website, besotted.co.uk. Matthew Benham interview from 2014. And like I said to you, it talks about this embargo thing and other points of it. It's very, very, very interesting. And like I said, coming back to the academy. But just one last word on the academy, lads. I mean, the, the way forward for Brentford now, I mean, obviously the thing is that there's two things is that, you know, we still need this community vibe. We still, we've got a very good community team. But, you know, the academy has taken some part away from, from Brentford in, 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 in investing in the community, has it not? Yeah, the, the you know, Lee Doyle's community trust, they, they still run the Centre of Excellence, which is, is, is for kids that for, from lots of local football clubs who are doing very, very well. And they bring them in for summer camps and that they... they they train on to over two or three centres um, twice a week, so there, there's still there's still a way into the football club. But they maybe they maybe that needs to be just linked up. You know, my son was at that in that structure for a couple of years, and some of the coaching there was absolutely excellent. So you know, they play other they play other centres of excellence of other clubs. So there is there is kind of a, a youth structure still there, but. I don't, you know, it, it is going to change. It's going to change, but obviously the, the, I think the most important thing is how you're going to get kids playing into into Brentford because obviously the, the, the academy was meant to find a path into Brentford and I think, you know, we were going to get three players. I think we were going to get three academy players in the first team by right about now. Every season. And that's, that's one of the things that didn't happen. So we're looking at that now. But listen, let's move it on. 
So fair play to Brentford. Brentford have said they want to be affordable football. They've talked about affordable football. They want football to be affordable. They kept the season ticket prices the same as it was last year. And uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed that they're actually going to re- reduce, because we've been talking to them a lot about this, because we, we don't think it's particularly fair. The £35 top f- ticket price, we're hoping that that's going to come down. And that's still not been announced as yet, but it'll be a very good victory for fans if that price comes down from £35. Because it's a bit embarrassing that we go to places like Sheffield Wednesday with 36 crowds. We complain about them, but then our top price is £35. But look, season ticket price has been held at the same rate, £369. You've got a couple of days from when you hear this podcast to go and buy that season ticket. So go off and do that because, you know, affordable ticket prices, we think that's fair enough. Good message for everyone to go out there as well. And, uh, I mean, guys... I know there's a little bit of moaning going on about this, about the the, the, the date of the, the the extension date. I mean, it's apparently the season ticket date has been extended by a couple of days. It was meant to be over now, and the price would have gone up fifty quid, but it's been extended by a couple of days, which I think is good because a couple of people, you know, could have got pissed up at the weekend, bank holiday. They would have got to go. Oh no, season ticket's fifty quid extra, so it's given them a couple of extra days to buy. But Dutchman, you're not happy, are you? I'm not sure getting pissed up is an excuse for buying a season ticket. Uh, my, my view is it's absolutely right to extend it, but next time just bloody get it right in the first place. Just get the right date in the first place. Give people as much time as they can to put their hard-earned cash in. Um, you know, the only real relevance probably is the fixture date, which is 21, 22 June, whatever that is. You know, that's the only date you need to worry about. You don't need to mess around. Is it April? Is it May? Set a date, stick with it, and make it the right date. Oh, I'm not sure. so sure. DFS have got a permanent sale on. They just, they, they just push it back a little bit more and a little bit more. Just oh, to, a bit like Walsall. But yeah, well, Walsall have got a sale on. The fire sale. Football's coming back in about a week's time. It's coming home. It's coming home. Well, well fingers <laughs> crossed it's coming home in about a week's time. Listen, it's the European Championships. Uh, we're very excited about the European Championship. Even Nick, who's Mr. Cricket Man in the summer, but he's actually got his European Championships guide. Even like you know, the Euros are coming back now. The team has been announced today. Loads of people talk about the team. We're not going to talk about the team because the team is the team. Whatever the team is, they're going to be out there. Um, England, you know, people don't really expect that much, which I think is good. It's good for England. So let's just whatever will be will be. But the European Championships, I mean, Laney, we're quite excited because, you know, Besotted is going to the Euros. And we're going to be doing the similar things that we do. We're going to be showing you videos. We're going to have post-match podcasts and everything like yep. that. So We're going to be doing the same shit, but in France. <laughs> <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with French people. And <laughs> with all sorts of characters. So listen, you tune into besotted.co.uk. You'll see it on Besotted 1992 on YouTube and Audio Boom Besotted. We'll have our post-match podcast. We'll have our videos. We'll do whatever else is going on for as long as we're out there. We're out there for all the tickets all the way through to the final. So if England are there till the final, we'll be there and you can check us out. Boys, European Championships, excited, looking forward to it. What do you reckon is going to happen? Do you think England will do as well as or as badly or as so-so as people expect? Dutchman. Very excited. I uh, don't think I'm going to get over there, but very excited to watch it. Uh, I very much enjoy a tournament. Um, how do I think I'm going to do? I think I've learnt now to say it. I don't think we're going to do very well at all, really. I think our defence will let us down. Um, always enjoy watching it. It's a great occasion. Um, not expecting us to feature much beyond perhaps getting through the group. Um, I will go, if we're predicting at this stage, I'm going to go radical and go for Turkey. Um, 
Euros, um, I people that know me will know that I've I've long um, said in most major championships, England will go out, and will struggle to get through the group stages, um, just because I don't think technically we're good enough. And this time, I think we've got a fundamental flaw in, in our back four. That almost rhymed. Um, but however, we are we are reasonably strong attacking, so I think we may scramble out of the group. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't look much past that. That's my my personal feel. Um, but I will, as ever, be supporting England and um, and disappointed as everybody else. And um, right, who's going to win it? Normally in these championships, I just always say Holland. And um, and to be honest, that's done me quite well for the last um, twenty years. I think they've had five semi-finals or something ridiculous. Um, but I can't do that this time around. So I'm going to move next door and go for Belgium. Um, uh, what worries me is there's a bit of hype building up around England. Uh, uh, people have been for people uh, not 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 around this table, but in the in the media, you know, who for, for for years or months have been talking down England's chances, have now been saying, "Oh well, you know, it could be exciting." It won't be. It'll be the same old England performance as as, as happens at either the Euro or the World Cup. Um, if I'm not, if so. If it's not going to be West Germany, it could West be up. Germany. Learn me to blow the bloody <laughs> doors off. Welcome to 1953. <laughs> it's, I, <laughs> you don't watch much international football, do you? I have a soft spot for Albania. <laughs> bloody hell, Christ. Well, yeah, Christ. Oh, I'm not sure how I can follow that. Um, it's impossible for England not to qualify from the group. Um, so we'll get through to the last 75 or whatever it is this time. Um, I think quarterfinals is about our limit. I, I think you're right. Defensively, we're going we're gonna to get found out. We can score goals. Whether he can get that right, I'm not quite sure. I, my, 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 my worries are that Roy, Roy is not the man. And I don't think defensively... Um, we, we, we can cut the mustard so you know I, obviously I want us to do well and I'll be there you know be there rooting for us but um, I won't be I don't think I'll be in Paris on uh, July the July the 10th Bill we'll see I'll put, I'll put all the hotels so you better bloody be but um, I'm looking forward to Marseille <laughs> looking forward to Marseille a lot of the Besotti crew are actually going to be down there in Marseille so I think there's going to be no sleep to Brooklyn as they say for about 72 hours which is great goodly great and also I've got a bit of a mad coach trip across to to Bordeaux as well I couldn't get any trains because they're so damn expensive so I decided to jump on a coach for about 8 hours so I'm going to go to Bordeaux and hang with the Irish for a couple of days which should be a bit of a laugh but for me quarterfinals I think is that's a uh, then after that, it just depends on what team. Yeah, 100%, you know, 100% quarterfinals. After that, it really does depend on who you get. But also with England, I think it's going to be a case of like, it's almost like Brentford, you know. It's kind of like we score lots of goals, we let in lots of goals. So you're just going to score more than you let in. And it depends on that cup final day. If you're in cup final mode and you score more than the other team, you're through. Um, we've been very unlucky the last times where we haven't scored as many as the others. Okay, you know, but, so, but I think this time, I'm actually looking at us getting to, I said quarters, but I think we might push semis and then we see how it goes. I'm going to put Germany down as a final. Imagine if we meet West Germany in the final, <laughs> we know what happens there. Well, yeah, we do. This time more than any other time this time. Is that that's what right, that's right. So I'm, I'm going for quarters, but I think we might push semis. Who's going to win? I'm, Germany. Spain for me. 
So there you go. So look, listen, that's it. The Besotted Pride of West London podcast. I want to thank the George IV for taking real good care of us. It's in Chiswick High Road. It's an absolutely fantastic pub. They finished the singing. They finished all the malarkey down in the background. But you can get that area every Wednesday. Open club night, open mic night if you actually fancy a bit of a sing song. Bit of karaoke, a few Brentford songs out there. I'm sure they'll go down particularly well. You're going to catch us over the next few weeks in the Euros. Myself and Dave are going to be at the Euros and we'll be podcasting, you know, whenever we feel like it, every few days or so. Videos and all that kind of stuff. So you can catch out what kind of nonsense we've been up to. But be lovely chatting to you guys and it'd be lovely chatting about football we missed it for the last few weeks and we'll be back in the middle of july when hopefully we'll have known all the players that we signed what dean smith's up to we're going to be talking about our little trip off to bockham if we decide to go there as well pre-season tour bockham and uh, yeah and uh, everything else but before we say that we haven't said this for quite a few weeks because there's no need to say it because it's close season but we might as well say it now as we're in the pub we say come on you be Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.